0: Time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics.
1: Welcome to episode four thirty two of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, it's another Kickstarter doubleheader. And everything kicks off with Gerald J. Jones from a gripping new book called Driver 8. It's described this way. It's a near-future science fiction story taking you beyond the edge of reality itself. We talk about the book, which I really enjoyed. And there's fascinating characters, lots of surprises, and a 12-issue run that starts right now on Kickstarter. And everything wraps up with the return of Michael Gordon from Red Winter, which is a franchise that I really come to love. The latest chapter of this high-drama crime noir series is called Red Winter Fallout, and the first issue is now available for support on Kickstarter. It's described this way. Following a gang massacre at the Moscow oil refinery, the son of a disgraced former NYPD detective scrambles to escape the city alive. We talk about the conclusion of the first mini series, then get into what Michael has in store for us in the second series. Again, go to Kickstarter and look for Red Winter Fallout number one. And you can also check out my review of the first issue which came out last year, also here on Major Spoilers. Both these Kickstarter projects deserve your support. So after you get done listening to these interviews, please be sure to go out there and back their efforts. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. Today, it's great to be talking with Gerald Jones, the creator of a really fascinating Kickstarter and book that's coming out right now called Driver 8. At least I think that's what it's called. How are you doing, Gerald?
0: I'm doing good, Wayne. How you doing?
1: Good. The, the clarification, I mean, it looks like it's Driver.8. Is that the way you pronounce it, or is it just Driver 8?
0: Um, either way, it's, it's kind of like a computer, like, you know, run.exe, so Driver.8. And um, you get into a little bit more of why it's kind of got that computer aesthetic um, the farther you get in the comic.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I've got, before we get into the comic, there's one thing, in the, a great line you have as about yourself as the creator. It says, writing, it's all I ever wanted to do, and will the lightsaber. If I <laughs> could have a lightsaber that doubled as a pencil, my life goal would be complete. I laughed when I saw that. I thought that was a wonderful bit. So oh, it's thank good you, stuff. It's-
0: it's very very true, you know, just the the force effects lightsabers and the ones at Walmart just don't do it. I'm I'm going to have to have a real one one of these days.
1: Like, you know, they could find a way to make it so the, the the laser beam on the end would cut. You could use that, I suppose, for the the good stuff. But anyway, it's fun stuff to do. It's interesting how people do things and the things that they're passionate about to kind of it's a great thing to get to know somebody, find out what they're passionate about. But Let's talk about Driver 8. And the first thing I got to say is I got to give you congratulations on your Kickstarter for Driver 8.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
1: And the reason why I say that, of course, if people don't know, if you go, by the way, to Kickstarter and look Driver.8, like I said, Driver, period. Eight, I think it's just all one word, some places, Driver 8. Yeah. You have long surpassed your goal. In fact, you're like, what, three times beyond your original goal?
0: Yeah, we're um, over 300% right now. Wow. And uh, still going.
1: Wow. I, I know several Kickstarter people who are very envious of you at this moment. Because some people struggle to get their goal. You know, they, they've got that goal. And the last minute, they're going, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? And you are like blown past that. All right. At the time we're recording, you've got 41 backers. And it's going to conclude on Monday, May 18 at 1218 in the morning, Eastern Time. Uh, I get, the number we're at right now, and this is going to probably date us, is, is uh, well, you raised one thousand six hundred sixty-eight dollars for a five hundred dollar goal. Which I, wow, all I can say is congrats, man! That is a mm. wonderful accomplishment.
0: Thank you, thank you, and and for anybody who's listening to this on May seventeenth, and it's still sixteen hundred and sixty-eight dollars, please <laughs> pledge.
1: That's right. Now's not the time to stop. Now's the time to dive on. It's it's to pile on right now. And uh, of course, you're into stretch goals and good things like that. So there's all kinds of good reasons to support Driver 8. Speaking of which, why don't we talk about what the book is about? Because I found it to be a fascinating book, especially now. Right now, when we're in the middle of a pandemic and ah, uh, you know, the, 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 we have to have social distancing and all that stuff. This book really spoke to me, particularly in where we are today. You were very prescient when you were writing this, probably not recently, probably a while back. But some of the stuff you're talking about, boy, it has a lot to say about where we are today. So why don't you talk about what Driver 8 is about?
0: Well, um, you know, I, I wish I could claim I had some sort of psychic knowledge, but – um. I suppose in a way that some all, all writers do, especially someone like Asimov. Um, you know, I get a lot of my ideas from songs. So, of course, it started out with, um, please don't sue me, the song Driver 8 uh, by R.E.M. And I just kind of took the feeling I got from that song and then the Hootie and the Blowfish cover. And i was like, OK, there's kind of a loneliness to this kind of an isolation. So I, I want to write something that encapsulates that. So I kind of run it around in my brain for a while, think of a cool premise, um, see what works in my head, see what doesn't work. And then, um, you know, once I get, you know, the basic outline done, where I want to go, uh, what characters are going to be in there, then I just um, start going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, it's about this uh, man who's moved to this different city. He didn't really like his life where he was at, so he thought he should uh, just pick up, move, um, get this new job, move there, and you know, hopefully his life would be better. But he's found out that he's just as isolated and just as lonely in this new place as he is uh, or as he was in the old one. And um, set in the near future, so there's a, a whole bunch of science fiction stuff in there, especially in pertaining to his job, which is uh, similar to uh, like a man in black almost.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is cool. And, and the subtitle also gets me. You know, it, it, you talk about, you know, be careful what you wish for. And the subtitle says you're not ready right. for what you wish for, what you want, you say you want kind of the stuff. I. I Boy, is that because uh, I know so many people that told me if I could just get some time off, you know, I'm working all the time and now I can never get any time off. Well, now, of course, we've had some time off and people are going, why can't I go back to work? Oh, my gosh, I'm tired of time off. And it, it's yeah. funny to see people want things. It, 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 they usually want what they don't happen to have right at that moment, seems to me.
0: Yeah. And it's it's never what they need. Um you know, if um, if we ever get into Paul's backstory, the main character, we'll probably find out that he did have everything there that he needed at his uh, old home, and his old way of life. He just didn't see it.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is probably what they always say that uh, what you have sometimes, if you look really closely at what you have, you'd be a lot surprised. Yeah, by how definitely. good you actually have it, and that's kind of a, that's kind of the the understory to this, but the. the beginning, and you mentioned it, too, about that there's loneliness going on in the the main character. And he's kind of – he's gone to this place, and basically he's doing what a lot of us do, and he spends a lot of time watching the television. I have watched a lot of television in the last month, I can tell you that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sick and tired of it, to be honest with you. We watched Ozark. We watched – gosh, I watched everything that we can think of. And now we're into the stuff we never dreamed we'd ever watch. We're watching – so it, it, I can relate to this character. I mean, you know, Paul is just this this guy. He's looking for something better, and so he goes off, and he ends up in the city. And it kind of looks like it's, it's Washington, Washington D.C., isn't it? Um, what is it, it?
0: It's kind of based off a little bit off of Washington D.C. Um, the name of it's Springfield, which is pretty generic because everybody's got a Springfield. Uh will probably have a you know a somewhat of a cameo of Bart and Lisa Simpson as much as Fox will let us get away with sometime too. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I just kind of wanted it to be a city's name where it could be anybody's state that anybody could go to and relate to.
1: Mm -hmm. I see the one thing I like about Paul is that he does not have leading man looks, shall we say?
0: No, no. he's, He's kind of homely.
1: Well, he's kind of like an average guy. I mean, you know, the yeah. thing I always got a kick out of James Bond was everybody said he should be really good looking. But, you know, and the, the truth was that agents that were secret agents often wanted to blend in. They didn't want to stand out by their looks, So they would often pick average looking people to be agents. Right. And Paul, Paul, interestingly enough, the, the way that uh, talk about the agency that he works for, because that's a really fascinating thing, too.
0: Um, Some of it I can't quite go into just yet, but um, essentially uh, the driver division is is what he works for. He's a driver number eight, and that's where the title of the book comes. Um, There's seven other drivers before him, and right now he's kind of a backup for the backup. Um, And then for uh, reasons which will be revealed later, he gets called into action at the end of the book. And we get to see how that goes for him, his first real day there. Um, So the driver division is a subset of uh, a corporation called B Corp. And B Corp, you know, they're like the largest um, company in the world. Uh, Think like Amazon times three. Um, They're into everything. They've got their own private military. And the driver division is actually kind of a subset of that. Um, they're contracted out to handle these men in black type issues. Um, you know, the ordinary police force can't handle, you know, when they come across a monster or a ghost or UFO or what they think it is, um, the driver division gets called in.
1: This is really interesting. It's just, it's a fascinating thing because, you know, as the story begins to unfold, well, it, 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 on the you have on the Kickstarter website we can talk about, I think, anything that's up there. They come across what appear to be two dead bodies, Mm -hmm. shall we say. And driver one ends up going in there. And one of the fun things about the drivers is they all have uh, what they call a proxy, Uh, like a a, a computerized assistant that goes with them and and accesses the Internet and all kinds of data and information and stuff like that. And very female, which is kind of always find that interesting that computer – things tend to be female and that's the way this one is and this one kind of gets employed and suddenly they discover uh things aren't quite as good as they might hope they are as to what's going on and of course driver one is talking to one of the police officers mm-hmm. on the side and it's it's the thing that's great about this one of the things i really love about the the story you know, i was talking about how things are beginning there's a wonderful observation at the very beginning of the book and you you have one of the pages on the kickstarter page it says you don't know it but the zombie apocalypse already happened oh yes i love that whole observation and i think you know people complained about social distancing but the truth was there are a lot of people who practice social distancing before all this happened and the the point is being made and i think it's a really uh, smart one there's all these people walking through the streets and they're all looking at their phones. They're not looking at anything around them. They're all zoned out into their own little spaces. And to the to Paul, the main character, he says, he sees them all as like the zombie. There's all zombies now because they don't interact with each other. I thought, wow, what a smart idea how to to start that off is to give us a, a great observation that pertains to how People are living today. I thought that was that was a brilliant way to start.
0: oh, why, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I also kind of wanted to make it ironic because you know, um, you know, Paul's job deals with technology talking with you know this proxy AI who's you know, not a real person. And so you know, he's just as guilty as having these fake interactions with the quote unquote real world as all the people around it. He's a little bit aware of it, but not not quite to the extent that he's a, a full-blown zombie himself.
1: Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. I always love the way that people – we see in other people what's probably going on in ourselves, which I, I always love that. In, 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 uh, people are really self-aware, can understand it. Most of us aren't that self-aware. We just kind of look at other people and say, boy, you not know, terrible how they are. But then if we really paid attention to ourselves, <laughs> we might understand why we're so conscious of what other people are doing, because we see we have some of that in our own lives.
0: Oh, so. yeah. It's the um, the old adage that, you know, if something and someone really bothers us, chances are it's it's in us. So, you know, we need to examine ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I got to ask you, when you came up with the characters in here, I mean, of course, we got Paul as the main character. We've got the police officer, uh, Nicky Knight. And, you know, you've got uh, Driver 1, all these. Are these characters, are they results of your imagination? Did you base them on anybody? Where did the characters come from?
0: As far as their personalities go, um, yeah, they're they're completely my imagination. Um, I gave the artist, um, wonderful, wonderful artist, um, Jorge Gabato. Um, the man's just a machine. In fact, I think he's actually a cyborg as fast as he draws and as much output as he's got. But um, I, I just can't say enough good things about him. But um, I gave him um, several different character references, and um, I believe uh, Paul was kind of the love child between my friend Daniel, John Wick, and Adam Driver. <laughs> and
1: uh, okay, because it's it's the way that he draws is is really interesting. It's it's almost a little surrealistic, but it still is grounded in reality. Like I mentioned, Paul's a appearance is not a john wick or a no. uh, he's he is a guy that if you bumped into the street you probably wouldn't even notice him because he's very average and not only in the way that he looks but in the way that he acts and so it's so interesting one of the great novice uh, notes if, if you've been thinking about the stuff we were talking about driver one gets called in and of course this is we're talking about driver eight and of course when you're driver eight you probably are going to. I mean, you you may not see action for a long time, right. but suddenly Driver Eight is thrust into things that are going on, and it's, it's fascinating to watch this guy who figures that he's never going to be in the middle of, of the action suddenly ends up in it, and he's he's a little overwhelmed. It seems to me, at least I would be if I was in that circumstance.
0: Yeah, he's he's not uh, totally prepared, um, and uh, you know, use the tagline: he's not ready for. Um for what goes down on his first day.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I, I've got to talk to about there's mysterious goings on and, and we don't find out in the first issue what it is, but let's just say people are constantly looking up at the sky. That's yes. how we say there's, there's certain sounds that are happening and it causes people to look up on the sky, but there's no explanation in the sky that they can find as to why that sound is happening. And, you know, of course, the moment you do that, I got to know. I mean, I'm going like, what is that? What's going on? And of course, you don't necessarily resolve all that. Now, we need to mention, too, this is issue one of 12. Right. So the, the story will unfold slowly. And particularly, those are the ones I really like the ones that drag me in and make me want to know more. And that's the way this book is. I am literally going like, now what? Now what? And I got the chance you made available to me a, a digital version of the first issue. And I got to the end and I tell you the, <laughs> I can't talk a lot about the end because I am literally going like, what? Because <laughs> you, your last page, <sighs> Gosh, how can I say this without spoiling any of it? I, 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 uh, oh man, I can think of certain movies that might influence that, but I've got to tell you something. I was totally surprised when I got to that last page. And of course, now, because you know, I, I want to know what the heck was happening, and now I want to know even more. And what the heck? How? Is, what is really going on here? So, it's I, I love a story that does that to me. I love to be sitting there and going like, now what? Now what? And when I got to that last page, I am going like, "Oh my gosh! <laughs> when is number two going to come around? <laughs> I want to see the next panel. I, I don't have to see the whole next book. I just want to see the next panel after that final page because I got to know what's going to happen next. Because yo, I I mean, you shocked me. I I, I now I've read, been reading comics for a long time, and Driver Eight that final page really stunned me. So, and I love one about. A book does that because I have, like I said, I've had a lot of experience reading comics and when something can really just floor me like that last page does, I want more.
0: Uh, and so I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's always a challenge as a writer to, you know, drop little hints here and there about what's going to happen. So you can kind of look back and like, Oh, okay. But not to overplay your hand. And, you know, so you can have it, you know, figured out like, oh, Paul's secretly a ninja in Japan or something. (laughs) Oh, crap. I just gave it away.
1: Um, (laughs) No, I don't think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, literally I got to know what's going to happen next, which I got to ask, of course, the first issue now you've gotten that it's probably just needing to go to the press. Right. Uh, How are people going to access it if, let's say, for some reason you can't support during the Kickstarter, which you know, and you've already been a big success, so people are certain to get what they pledge, you know, what they've gotten from that. How is uh, Driver Aid going to be available?
0: There's a couple of um, platforms we're looking at, um, and I can't think of them off the top of my head. Are the um, the president and owner of Limitless Comics? He's he's been talking to me a little bit about it. Um, kind of a print-on-demand um, type situation, or you know, you just get the digital copy. Mm-hmm. My my last comic, Blank Walls, um, I did with the great uh, Matthew Cashel and a wonderful artist Derek Hefner. Um, it was a really good story, but um, you know, we just advertised it on Comicsology, and it just didn't do anything. So, um, so yeah, we've we've got a couple of platforms that. Um, Tony and I are looking at Tony, the owner of Limitless Comics. Um, But uh, we'll have all that information on our Facebook page, uh, the Limitless Comics Facebook page.
1: Okay. Because that's good to know, because right now we're in a state of flux. Yeah. You know, the industry right now, as we're talking, DC has just released their first Tuesday comics. And it's, you know, I'm a big DC guy. I, I, that's the company I buy the most of, but I love other stuff like your stuff, which intrigues me and fascinates me because I, I you know, you can do anything, you know, as, as much as I love Batman, Batman has to return to where he was at the end, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the issue. So somebody else can pick it up and write with your book. You can do anything with your book and your last page proves you will do anything <laughs> <laughs> with the book. Well,
0: this, is, this is true. And, um, You know anybody who's read any of my writing always pity my characters because I do do anything.
1: (laughs) They always say, you know, if you like your characters, you torture them. Oh yeah, because you know that that's especially if you can get us to care about these people and see them as such. And then, of course, like like I said, I have to know. You know, when things are going on, it's it's like there was a Riddler at the end of one of the Batman animated episodes. Batman is he's in a room and the room blows up and. Batman escaped somehow, and the Riddler can't figure out how, how he did it. And there he oh, is in yeah. Arkham Asylum, yelling at the top of his lungs, I have to know. how did you? And I'm like that. I, I have to know. You know, see, I, I'm not a writer, per se. I, I I always tell the story. I interviewed Joshua Williamson in a book called Ghosted, and the premise was that he was going to collect a ghost. And I remember interviewing him, and I said, how do you collect a ghost was immaterial. How do you do that? Well, he says, keep reading. And for the life of me, I could not figure out how he was going to do it. I don't know if you read the book, but no, it was, it had a, he had it all figured out. See, that was the thing. And I, I, I have I have tremendous respect for writers like yourself who know these things, who have you've laid the groundwork, and you know what you're going to do, and I'm absolutely puzzled as to how you're going to do it. But that's the fun of the reading for me. I, I want to see what you have in mind. So like with with Mr. Williamson, who I really respect and your stuff. I really like, I am dying to see what's going to happen with this stuff. So as far as like going forward, you know, diamond right now, I don't know, you know, there's some general stuff they said they're going to do, which I don't necessarily buy. Um, Some people are, you know, I know some people who go to conventions and of course, conventions are down for the count right at the moment. And a lot of people make their money going to cons and selling their product at conventions. do you do any of that or do you prefer to, you know, you, you did use comiXology you said during the uh, previous one that you were doing, are, are there going to be a lot of face-to-face stuff? Or are you going to stick with digital, you know, website kind of stuff? What do you envision at this point? And I mean, I, I know it's all up in the air, but if you had a preference, what would you do?
0: Well, I, I really, really hate to travel. Um, you know, in my my old age, um, you know, f- for me, I hate going any more than four hours away from home. It's just just kind of how I'm wired. But fortunately, I live in an area where, you know, we've got Tulsa, or our own Springfield, Kansas City, Little Rock, all these within a the, the drive. And I definitely in the future, you know, as as long as, you know, we're not fighting a real zombie apocalypse, I, I'd like to do some face-to-face stuff. Um I think it's always nice to, you know, to meet the fans and talk with them. Um, but I definitely don't see myself going to, you know, a place like um San Diego Comic-Con or New York mm-hmm. Comic-Con mm-hmm. or um something big like that. It's just you know, it's not really my style and I just don't like being around that many people.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, every you know, creative people come in all different kinds of varieties. And I always think if you because a friend of mine who writes that I'm the editor for a book and, and that he writes and when he's writing it's got to be totally silent and he's got to be alone by himself you know the rest of the time he's a very social guy you know doing all kinds of social stuff but he does not when he's writing want that he wants to be able to lose himself in the world that he's writing and I imagine that's kind of how your thing is too you probably you know you Transport into the universe you're creating and that then sometimes the characters write themselves when you yeah talk. they
0: they do it's it, it's kind of an airy thing when you know all of a sudden a character does something because that's how it's supposed to be, but it's like that that wasn't how I planned that, but <laughs> you know it's just kind of a natural flow or a feeling um or the character even partially coming alive within yourself mm-hmm. um So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, When I write, I like to, um, there's this app I've got. It's um, binaural beats. If you've ever heard of those, Um, the idea that you can kind of put your mind in a state of, you know, relaxation, sleep, um, get it ready to study work or what have you, just by listening to certain sound patterns. And um, it, it sounds hokey, and But I tried it on a free trial, and I was like, wow, I haven't been this productive in a long time. And so um, I actually got a lifetime subscription to it. So, um, yeah, I just like to put that in and, um, you know, got my noise canceling earphones. So occasionally my wife will wave at me like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I love you. Leave me alone. I love you.
1: And, See, creative creativity, I, I'm I'm always fascinated by the creative process. I I like to tell the story in this podcast, this is a guy from the UK that I interviewed, and he watched a documentary on the slaughtering of pigs, and he came away with a story for a comic. It was called Slaughterman's Creed. And I I remember I said to him when I interviewed him, I said, I I I can't imagine watching a documentary on that and coming away with a comic book idea. You know, I'd probably be horrified. You know, I was gonna go. It looks terrible, but he came away with this idea, and you know, it, it's. I'm always fascinated how creative people function and make this stuff happen. And a lot of time, it's it's something deep inside you that wants to tell stories and wants people to to hear these things and to get a reaction from people with that.
0: Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I think the the greatest surprise for a writer or creator of any sort is when you're just kind of minding your own business and then all of a sudden a story or character just hits you. And, you know, it's not something you intended to write, but now you've got this nagging urge. Okay, I've got to write this. I've got to bring this character to life when, you know, just a few minutes ago, that character didn't even exist. It's like, you know, it kind of pulled from the ether and just grabbed you and like, hey, I'm here. Do something with me.
1: Uh, Tell one more story from the same guy. I, I, I'm always fascinated how he got his his ideas from. He was riding the subway, and there was an old gentleman there, and he was like taking his hands and rubbing his hands so hard that they were getting his knuckles were getting white. And he came up with the story as a result of that. That this guy had murdered people in the past, and he was Ooh. still feeling guilt over it, and that's why he was sitting there rubbing his hands so furiously and stuff like that and i thought you know i i would probably go isn't that interesting and that would be the end of my involvement in that but there was there he was writing the story around this person and i'm just i I told him the same thing i tell you is that's why you're the writer and i'm the reader (laughs) (laughs) and it's a good thing because i'm glad there are people like you you know telling stories because i can just say that works but i i cannot sit there and say now he's gonna you should do this that's your guy's job, and that's that's something I'm real happy with. Now, as as far as the first issue goes, you've pretty much got the first issue in the can.
0: Yeah, it's completely finished.
1: So this is going to be you now. Let's see, the the stuff's going to become available according to the website. You're looking for May, which is you know right around the corner. You're going to have a lot of this stuff ready. So, man, you are prepared.
0: Yeah, we're um, the digital um, edition will go out to backers in May. And then probably around the first couple of weeks of June, if all goes well, we'll have the you know the physical copies and rewards mailed out.
1: Wow, boy, that's prepared. Because I there are some people I have backed on Kickstarter years ago that I still haven't seen yeah, any of the stuff. So I, I I applaud somebody like you who's who's ready.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, you know that's I, I have that exact same frustration. Yeah, you know, I, I can understand if something's delayed a month or two, but you know, when it's going on, you know, nearly a year since the Kickstarter and it was promised last year, I, I get a little a little um frustrated myself. So I, I definitely don't wanna give that experience to anybody. And I wanna you know, whenever I put a book out, I want people to know that, hey, it's finished, so you can back this with confidence knowing that I don't have to pay a colorist or pay the letterer or I'm only showing the five pages that are done when the rest of the book's not even, you know, sketched out yet.
1: Hmm. That's so fascinating to me because, you know, I, 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 I always say about how much I enjoy the Kickstarter, you know, they say that Kickstarter is the the second biggest provider of comics behind Marvel.
0: Oh Wow. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, people, I, I've read that and I'm like, you know, cause honestly, I, I really do, you know, look through Kickstarter to find stuff. And, you know, your stuff out there is like one of the, is a good, you know, justification for spending some time and some money on a Kickstarter. Cause this is the kind of a book that, you know, I, it may not get a lot of attention because it's, it's, it's not a superhero book. No. It's a science fiction type book. And oftentimes books like this require your attention. There are some books takes me five minutes or less to read. You know, I go zoop and I'm like the flash when I'm reading that. I go and I'm done. Your book, I can't do that. I got to slow down and pay attention, which I love when a book does that. When a book tells me, wait a minute, hang on here. You got to pay attention to this. Then I enjoy myself because that's a good story that's going to. You know, the payoff is going to be worth it because you've got something clearly in mind rather than just punching and kicking, as my brother likes to call it, you know, uh, which goes on in many comics, you know. And then you get to the word balloon pages, which are just filled with gray blobs of text. And, you know, a writer's got to write. And so what they do is they put all that text in there. I don't You get a lot of that. There's exposition at times, but it's visually accompanied by something that really – you don't realize you're, you're picking up exposition when you watch it. And I think that that's one of the strengths of this book.
0: Oh, thank you. I mean, I, it's hard to strike a balance when writing comics in between, you know, giving the reader too much or too little. Um, I kind of feel like, uh, oh, Bendis early in his career, he had a good uh, grasp on to the too much, too little nowadays, not so much, but you know, Brian, we still love you. If you're listening (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's like, that, that's another frustration I have with, um, you know, the mainstream comics, you know, I put my five bucks down, I pick up a comic and two minutes later, I'm done. And yeah, yeah, um, oh. like the first um, Star Wars comic, it's like, okay, I read through that, you know, okay, that was really good. And so I'm like, wait, there's got to be more, I just finished that in two minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, it has like the extra stuff in the back and I'm like, eh, okay, so You know, I I really want to give my readers, you know, value for their money. I mean, especially since they're pledging for it on Kickstarter, and um, I I do want to say for any of my pledges that are listening, thank you so much. Um, During this time, it just means so much to me that you've put your trust into me for um, for your entertainment. And there's so many other things you could be doing with your money. You know, buying groceries, buying toilet paper, uh, (laughs) buying a gun to rob a store for toilet paper. Please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, you know, just a, just a heartfelt thank you. You know, normal times I, I would be overwhelmed with gratitude, but just right now during this pandemic, I, ju- I just can't thank you enough.
1: See, it's interesting. Somebody was telling me that the number of comics being sold right now or, or being you know, projects going up on Kickstarter right now is a lot less than what Kickstarter wants. So they're actually out there asking people, can you start up a Kickstarter? Because we don't have enough people out there doing it. So your timing couldn't be better as far as Kickstarter is going. They're they're, they're probably thrilled you're out there doing something right now.
0: Yeah, I I definitely hope they are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a fascinating book because, you know, like I said, it doesn't go the average thing. The X-Men, everybody looks like a teen model. And, you know, everything is always, everybody always looks like they're out there. You know, this, it's like the difference between British television and American television. Everybody on, they did uh, uh, the, the one show that was, uh, I can't remember the name, it was a vampire and a and, a, and a werewolf, and uh, which were all in the same place living together. It starts with a B, I can't remember the name right top of it, but anyway, they did the British version, and everybody, the actors in that version were a lot more average in appearance. When American TV did it, They had all these guys and gals who looked like models doing it. And I remember when British people saw it, they said, oh, my gosh, they're too pretty. People are too pretty in it. And see, your book hearkens to that uh, British sensibility that it's, you know, we we don't look like teen models. At least most of us don't. And we can relate to uh, this character and the people around them because they tend to be more like the kind of people we bump into every day. So for me, I just think that's one of the great things about this book is that, of course, you're bucking a trend, you know, you're bucking, this is what, it's a <laughs> visual medium. And so people expect visually appealing characters, you know, much more than, than perhaps you have in yours. But I, I think this, the, I always like to say that the art attracts the initial attention, but it's a story that keeps people going. And I think both of your aspects of this book are really good. The art's excellent and the story is is gripping and surprising. So I I think that uh this, this Driver 8 is going to be one of those books I think that uh, uh people should be reading. It's one of the reasons I was really glad to get to talk to you because there are some books that people just need to know about that they just don't. And we got to get the word out. And that's one of the reasons this podcast exists is to let people know about books like Driver 8. Which is really something.
0: Well, thank you. Um, you know, thank you for all those kind words. Um, you know, my back in college, um, I focused on writing, and one of my professors, Professor Rogers, just drilled it into me. Um, and he's probably, if he's listening, he's probably going to uh, hurt me for forgetting who it was. I think it was Henry James, who you know drilled in to his own students uh, back in the early 1900s you've got to make it real, you know, realism, uh, to make it relatable. And, you know, that's kind of philosophy. I've always you know carried through, um, you know, the, the teen supermodel type comics, they, they don't interest me. Um, you know, the, the buxom ladies, they, they might bring in a lot more money, but that's definitely not, um, any interest I have in writing. Um, Mm -hmm. because it just, it just doesn't appeal to me because, you know, Almost anybody can can write that, and and you know not to not to belittle those who who do put out Buxom lady columns because there are some that are very excellent writers out there, but just just not my my cup of tea, I guess I should say, not mm-hmm. my
1: bag. Well, we, the the industry can support both, shall I? As what I like to say, because you definitely. I, I am more of a reader who's interested in my mind being engaged and pushed around in places I haven't been. And your book does that tremendously. Now, it's a couple of things i got to ask about because it just fascinates me. You know, in the upper left-hand corner of Driver 8, you have a picture. You know, the old Marvel little things that were in the upper left-hand corner that showed a lot of the characters. The interesting thing to me is that the picture in the upper left-hand corner is not Driver 8.
0: No, it's I, it's I um, Driver that. 1. It's Paul.
1: Yeah. See, I was fascinated by that because, you know, normally it's uh, – now on the covers, you've got him in the, in the lower left, lower down there. and But I was interested to give the spotlight to Driver 1 in a book called Driver 8, which tells me we're not going to go the standard route here,
0: which no, I like. not at all. Um, and uh, there's going to be um, some more interaction with uh, Paul down the line. Uh honestly, oh, not Paul, uh, William Driver One. Um But um you'll kinda some people read the second issue and the third issue and kinda wonder, "What? why is there, there more interaction with him? But uh without saying too much right now, but Paul's gonna be an interesting character who will carry on throughout most of the most of the um the series.
1: Mm-hmm. Now what about Proxy cuz Proxy is the the character that everybody seems to have one of and I like the fact that it's a female computer character. Uh she th- there's human characteristics built into Proxy let's just say. It's she does not well she actually throws jokes around and she you know, she interacts with people you know, when somebody talks about the, the the proxy and, you know, the driver one says back, careful detective, she's sensitive. And she responds by saying something that's a little bit of a, of a cut and says, I'm better looking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I went, Ooh, <laughs> for, for a computer, that's, that's pretty sharp. That's pretty witty for a computer to be able to come back with that. So I, I like the character. Even the computer is interesting. Which I find such a well-put-together as far as the characters go. And that was the thing about Proxy that particularly I liked.
0: Yeah, we're going to um, find out more about Proxy um, in the next few issues. Um, you know, there's, there's a p- specific reason why she's more friendly, more engaging with uh, William Driver 1 then Paul's proxy is engaging with him. In fact, he he just kind of hates her because, you know, she's such a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there's a good reason for that and uh, we'll explore more of that and the relationships between the the proxies and uh, the drivers too.
1: Mm-hmm. I just I I love the name of it driver because, you know, it's it's in the age of Uber. <laughs> and th- th- there's so many things in this book that are so right in tune with what's going on right now. If somebody would have told me five years ago, you're going to be driving around in cars with strangers, oh, yeah. I would have laughed. And now we do it without a thought. We call Uber and go someplace and we can leave our car going. just We want to just get somewhere. We don't have to drive ourselves and worry about parking. Somebody else drives us. And that's, that's the, t- the whole title and the name of the program – Alludes to that whole thing again. You know, we're talking about people with their heads in in their phones while they're walking along. But on the other hand, we also the name of the the people driver, you know, alludes to Uber as well. And so I'm just like, this book is right in tune with what's going on today. Just amazing to me.
0: Well, thank you, thank you.
1: So it's it's fascinating to see how these things are going to go. So. Okay, the first issue is in the can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be you know delivered very soon. So that's why I encourage you get on there and if you haven't already supported, support it now because you'll get this book very soon, which is a nice thing to to have happen for your Kickstarter. As far as and of course now you're you've over your goal already, so there's more uh stretch goals and things coming. Are you gonna continue this? Because there's 12 issues in the in the, the set. Is this like every issue going to do a Kickstarter and then the next issue will come out?
0: That's that's the plan right now. Um, you know, things can change. But, you know, the idea is about approximately every three months to have another issue come out. Uh, I wanted to get four in this year, but, you know, with uh, everything that's going on, that wasn't quite possible. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to put some more content in issues two and three to make up for that. And then um, basically have each year be a season total of, um, you know, four seasons.
1: Mm-hmm. See, I'm interested too, as far as like other drivers and thus we, we meet another driver in the first book and we would, she's kind of interesting too. She's got a different number and all this kind of stuff happens. And I, I'm interested to see, are we going to get to see more of the drivers
0: we will. Um, we'll actually get to see um, Jody in action, uh, Driver fourteen, mm-hmm. um, next um, next issue. Um, since um, with the whole uh, monster situation and what transpired at the end of issue one, um, it's going to be up to to Jody and the detective to to take that monster down. <laughs>
1: See, I, 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 can't forget the last page. I, <laughs> I gotta know what's going to happen next. So, as far as, because you guys are obviously you're talking about three months. So, in another three months, we might start to see issue two bubble around.
0: Yes, yeah, that's okay. the, definitely the plan. I've got um, I've got the outline in my head for issue two. It'll take me about a couple of weeks to write, which I'll I'll start doing that here soon. And then, um, like I say, Jorge's a machine. He's probably actually got all of issue two drawn before I've got it
1: written. So, wow.
0: um,
1: wow. how he do that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like I said, I'm pretty sure he's a robot from the future. Just how fast <laughs> he draws. Um, but no, he, he does a really good job. I'm, you know, so happy that, um, you know, we got together. His, his style reminds me a lot of, um, oh, do you remember Ted McKeever?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it reminds me a lot of that, and um, I like that. I like that a lot.
1: So, how did you meet him? How did you you guys hook up and start to do this stuff?
0: Actually, um, the Limitless Comics, um, the owner um, Tony Moore, he he um, was looking for different artists uh, for one of his projects, and uh, came across Jorge, and he showed me his stuff, and like, would you like to you know have this guy? And I'm like, heck yeah, if you can get him, and you know, Jorge agreed. So,
1: ah. Wow. You know, it's, that, that must be gratifying when somebody, you know, as an artist comes and you kind of give them the pitch or show them what that and they say, yeah, I'd like to do that. That must be kind of gratifying.
0: Yeah, it is. And um, there's a lot of um, things Jorge likes to do in his drawing. Um, I'm going to, you know, accommodate him with, you know, some more technical stuff, some more, um, you know, ghost in the shell type stuff, which you know also plays into the story, too. But we're going to see some more of that. Uh, when we visit a uh, driver control in the, in the second hmm. issue.
1: Now, something just hit me and I don't know if you want to respond to this or not. Okay. Dr- episode one mm-hmm. has driver one on the cover in that block. Is that going to mean that like episode two, we'll see driver two in that box.
0: Hmm. That's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to you know do the Ronald Reagan and, <laughs> you know, plead the fifth or say I don't recall.
1: Okay, well, just just a thought. I, I, it suddenly dawned on me. I said, Wait a minute! I'm looking at the thing. There's episode one. And there's driver one. I'm going. You know what? That could work. You could have a different driver in each one based on the number of the issue. Thought so this anyway. Something just hit me. I, I I do this stuff. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and go. Wait a minute. That's why that's that way. You know. <laughs> so I I do that kind of stuff. There was a uh, a book that was about secret agents and there was a woman secret agent and I couldn't figure why she was doing what she was doing until one night I in the middle of the night I woke up and I said oh, I get it now. That's why she's doing that. And the the author was laughing. He says you 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 that's what you dream about at night. He goes. <laughs> But if I'm, I'm engaged in the story, I am. I'm thinking about this stuff because I want to. There's all kinds of wonderful things you can do with, with these good things. So, okay. So, um, as we said, you now's the time to get in there. Don't wait. Uh, just because he's met his goal already doesn't mean there's not good things to get involved with and to make things happen. So again, it's Driver Eight, Issue num- Number Sign 1.0. And I love the, the the subtitle on here. It says a near future science fiction story. Taking you beyond the edge of reality itself, which has lots of implications.
0: Yeah, And having read the first issue, you know, I think you can attest that we we, we do do that.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. More than that, I will not say because I want people to be just as surprised as I was. But uh, it's a very surprising and very intelligent comic going on that makes you think about things. I love that. There's nothing better in the world than something that makes me think. And Driver 8 is that that way to do it. Now, this is going to conclude again on Monday, May 18, at 12.18 in the morning, EDT, Eastern Daylight Time. So don't wait. Now is your chance to go out there and get Driver 8 and to jump on board. And I have to tell you, it's a great book. It's such fun, Gerald. And I, I'm just dying to see what else. i, I got to go back and get that other book you mentioned because I don't think I've ever read that one. So I've got to go back. I, it, sometimes when I talk to people, I find out these really good books that I missed somehow i can never get them all no matter how high you try and then i find out when i go wait a minute i need to go back and find out about that one so uh that other one that you did i'm going to have to go back and find that one that you mentioned because it was uh has an interesting sound to it so uh, i like that kind of stuff it used to be i would go to conventions and i would buy action figures and spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars now i go to conventions when i go and i'm buying indie comics looking for really good stuff cuz I there's so many good stories that I oh,
2: yeah, I'm just you know, convinced
1: that I you know, I miss and you know if Kickstarter weren't around we would never hear about so I I appreciate Kickstarter every day and that's yeah, how we got to thing. do hear your good stuff Gerald so Man, I just want to you to keep going. And man, the success of your Kickstarter means I'm not alone in that. There's a lot of us out here who are dying to. At least 41 other people. And there'll be more as we get closer to the, the the deadline here. But the good news is, is you've already got your 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 goal met. So if we pledge, we're going to get the good things. So you don't have to have the daily heart attack, as they say, that the uh, Kickstarter can be. You, you, you know. log in, and there's nobody else as as uh, 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 pledged in the last 24 hours you don't have to worry about that <laughs> thank goodness
0: no neither. You know, I don't have to post to 10 million uh, Facebook groups yeah. in the last few hours of the campaign hoping to, yeah. to meet the goal too
1: oh you know I I, I have to say well, have, is this your first Kickstarter or have you done other ones
0: um, I've helped um, you know Tony with his uh, Kickstarter the last one was for um, a book a horror book he did called The Muffin Man um very interesting character. Excellent black and white art. Um, mm. I, I haven't seen black and white art that good in quite some time. Um, you know, kind of an old school feel for sure. But um, And then um, before that, um, he launched uh, Realm Zero 01. And um, I helped him with that one as well. So kind of um, you got some training there on Kickstarter ins and outs uh, before I launched Driver 8.
1: Mm-hmm. Very cool. I I not know. I, I was looking at the page and I saw Blank Walls is the name of the book uh, that you had done before. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I got a huge kick out of the, <laughs> the picture of you on the page there. You're looking rather stunned.
0: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, that, that's my normal expression.
1: What are you talking oh, about? Is okay? <laughs> well, the book is called Driver 8, and it's one of those great science fiction stories that I am just hooked onto. I've got to know more about it. And I think you will be too. So go to Kickstarter driver eight issue number 1.0. And now that we know that number one is a success, we know we're going to get, we're going to dive into hopefully the other 11 issues. So we get the whole story. So I, I love when a story does that to me and grabs all of me. So Gerald, you know, I'd wish you more success after you already got a lot of success with this. And boy, I, I, I think you deserve even more for putting a good a book together that's uh fun to read and really it makes me think so uh, keep it up thank you
0: thank you very much Uh, and i look forward to you know talking about um you know what's going to happen in issue two um on the podcast with you next kickstarter when we can actually you know reveal some of the spoilers from issue one and talk about those
1: i'm looking forward to that already too we'll talk to you that time
0: all right people need
1: to welcome back to the podcast michael gordon from red winter a series that i really loved and you've got a new follow-up to it there michael how are you doing i'm doing great tonight wayne how are you it's good to talk with you i'm doing good let's talk about let's jump right into it you've got a new mini series following up from red winter and it's called red winter fallout as i remember Mm -hmm. how's that doing i think congratulations are in order aren't they you've already gotten your goal
3: yeah, we've been uh, campaign's been live for a couple of days now. I think we're on the third day, and we got funded today, which wow. is um, superb. So the way I've uh, formatted the campaign basically is this: this goal was to print a Kickstarter exclusive edition of issue one, which will have um, the 20 pages of the comic, obviously, but then we're going to put all sorts of bonus material in, um, including art to. To our uh, comparisons to script comparisons I'm going to write an essay sort of about the, um, the inspirations for the comic mm-hmm. um, and then ideally with the campaign because there's still 27 days left you know if we keep doing well ideally I'm hoping then that the campaign will fund the art for maybe even the rest of the series depending on how well we do mm-hmm. um, but that is certainly the goal uh, because as we know indie comics um, they're not cheap to make right um, and if you can get uh, if you can sort of mobilise a, a, fan, a fan base early in the Kickstarter campaign it's great because um, those, those are the people that will support you through Thick and Thin um, and you just sort of put it to them like this comic can't happen without you Right. Um, and that's so so that's where we are um, and I think I'm feeling good about the campaign I think we will well <laughs> I don't want to speak too soon but I think, we'll do well. I think yeah. we'll
1: do well. well. hey, you've got your goal. I mean, you know you're getting at least the goal. Yeah. Yes. So far. Yes. Now, let, let's do the specifics, though. We've got to make sure people know. You have until Friday, May 29th at 4.34 mm-hmm. in the morning Eastern time. Yeah. Probably different time on your time zone because you're in a different place. But mm-hmm. the good news is is that you've still got, like we were saying, uh, over 20 days to go as yeah. we're recording this. And now is not the time to, to slack. This is the time because… Nope good stretch goals are going to come in there. You don't get the daily heart attack, you know, and <laughs> Kickstarter look at it and nobody, nobody pledged today. Oh no, but you've gotten that part. So now everything is, is gravy. So that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. That. And what,
3: and um, what it means as well from this point on is, um, you know, we've, we've been funded. So all the backers will get their printed version, although the back for a printed version, will get their Kickstarter exclusive edition, but it also means should we reach, so there's three different levels. If we reach them, then every backer will also get a PDF of the subsequent issues. So they'll get issue two, they'll get issue three, they'll get issue four. So they can read those issues sort of um, early. Um, Again, like the first series, um, it was published through Scout Comics eventually. And this series, we have a publishing contract with them again. So it will eventually, down the line, be published by Scout. But the Kickstarter backers here, a great thing about it is they'll be able to read the PDFs of two, three, and four for the money they've already pledged. Right. Um, before before any of the script readers
1: great great because this this is a terrific series I have to say if you haven't Thank read you. if you haven't read red winter yet shame on you because this is one mm-hmm. of those great books I called it uh, I say it's it's as good as and and sometimes it's even better than criminal wow which is a great book That's and one of my fr- one of my friends called it uh, red criminal <laughs> <which> <laughs> you I, know what I'll take that. That's not so bad. <laughs> I got a huge kick out of that because, you know, I have to say I, I enjoy Criminal, but I don't think that the storytelling uh, on there has maintained the same quality that they have in the past, shall we say. It's hard mm-hmm. over time to do that. But yours, I think, is actually now beating Criminal as far as this kind of stuff.
3: Um, as, as a diehard Baker and Sean Phillips fan, that's huge praise, so thank you very much for that and uh, I, I Criminal is one of my favourite comics, basically all the, the comics that Baker and Phillips do are some of my favourite
1: comics, so that's that's great, thank you Yeah, so, well let's tell people what it's about, why well, don't we, let's start out and talk about what Red Winter was and then we'll move into Fallout
3: So Red Winter is about Eli Winter, who is a, he's a disgraced former NYPD detective and uh, at the start of the story, we find him in Kapotnya, which is the most crime-ridden district of Moscow. Eli is working as sort of a, a, a bag man or an enforcer, you know, sort of a low-level guy for the local crime boss, Nikolai Dubrovsky, who leads the Tsari gang. So when the story picks up, we don't know why, why, we don't know why a former New York detective is here in um, Moscow. He, he hates it there, he can't stand the food, he can't stand the people. He can't stand what he's doing. He's a really typical sort of grumpy noir protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story, uh, the thrust of the story is that one of Dubrovsky's operations is destroyed and his men are killed and their money stolen. And Eli is told by Dubrovsky to find out who did it. Mm-hmm. So he feels like this is a chance for redemption. He can, be a, he can be a policeman again. He can be a detective. And then it turns out pretty quickly that his estranged son, Joseph Winter, is the one who uh-huh. did the deed So Eli then needs to decide Whether he's going to go against The gang that's basically kept him alive And given him A second life in Moscow Even though it's a life he hates you know, Without them he'd either be dead or in jail mm-hmm. um, He has to decide whether to protect Joseph and go against them Or to turn Joseph Over to them
2: mm-hmm.
3: So uh, that was that's the main plot Of Red Winter mm-hmm.
1: So, now we move on to Fallout
3: so without without, without wanting just just to spoil the entirety of Red Winter um, Fallout where it's ideally it's going to have a little bit of a different feeling to Red Winter in that Red Winter's very it's very crime, it's very noir whereas Red Winter Fallout I want, I want it to be basically like a breathless chase thriller mm-hmm. so it picks up basically right minutes after Red Winter ends and Joseph now is trying to find any way out of the city that he can find um, he's sort of stranded he doesn't know who to trust and basically everyone's after his head um, because there's, uh, there's a big um, showdown between the two rival gangs there's the Reed Sari and the Chief J. Croby who knows known as the Purebloods they have a big showdown at the end of Red Winter and the whole sorts of bad things happen And then Joseph is basically cut loose in the wind afterwards. And some people have survived, some haven't. Joseph needs to find a way out of the city before he gets killed. And he will receive some help from a pretty unlikely source Mm -hmm. is the
1: the start of the story. That's going to be interesting to see. I'm fascinated by all this. You're introducing some new characters, I see, according to the Kickstarter. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because these are uh, brand new uh, uh, players in the game.
3: Yeah, so um, as well as our protagonist now is Joseph um, but we have Max Voronin who is a Russian detective who is brought in to investigate basically what happened at the oil refinery which is where the the gangs fought each other. So it's his job to find out what's happened. Now there's definitely some, whenever he gets to um, the oil refinery he knows something's not quite right Something doesn't uh, smell right because there's 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 people's bodies there that aren't Russian for one thing, and he he doesn't know why they're there. And basically, we're adding in a little element of there's sort of a conspiracy type element to to this series um, because there was a, an American agent who played a big part in Red Winter, um, and the Americans will not want that to get out what that person did in Red Winter. And Max and basically catches on to this pretty quickly so as well as Joseph trying to escape Kepodnia and everything happening there we've got Max doing his investigation and we also then have um, an American agent coming over to Moscow to try and keep everything quiet so there's those, there's those two characters that will um, we'll be introducing to this one and like I said there's also someone new
1: who is helping Joseph who may have a tie to Eli Winters' past. Mm, okay, very good. Because I, I enjoyed the first series tremendously. I, I had, I, I got the fourth issue and and it ended so superbly that I can't possibly spoil it. I, I <laughs> you know, I was literally craving more. You know, so I was glad when I found, heard that you were going to do this and continue the series going on. Do you, based on your storytelling, you, you might have a lot of story you want to tell in this mm. universe. I, is that the case with you?
3: It was one of those uh, things where I wrote Red Winter as a four-issue series, and that was all it was going to be. Um, but then, whenever it started coming out through Scout, uh, generally uh, critical reaction was good, and any reactions from the, um, the readers I got were great, I started to think, "Well, I wonder, is there more I could do with this?" And then it was uh, Scout actually said to me that they they would love to do a sequel if, if I wanted to do it. And then, pretty quickly ideas came to me for continuing the story, and yeah as, as I continue to write this I sort of, I see just the the world of um, Kapotnya, the Russian underworld, uh, it just sort of keeps expanding in, in my mind so um, Red Winter Falling is going to be another four issue series, should it go as well as Red Winter did, I don't know, maybe there could be more, I could also I could definitely see doing some sort of prequel to back in Eli's uh, days in New York because we left I left that intentionally big um, in the first one. Um, we know that Eli did some pretty illegal stuff whenever he was a policeman in New York, but we don't know exactly what. We saw a little bit of a flashback in Red Winter, but not very much. So I would quite like to to go back and do some of that as well. He's a very interesting character to write, Eli. But yeah, I, I feel like the story that I'm telling could go off in a bunch of different directions because
1: mm-hmm. it just feels like there's this, this whole new world to explore because you know uh, criminal as much as I love it is is usually American based and if it's not American yeah. it's, it's close to it's similar societies but you know Russia is a whole new ball game mm-hmm. as far as like I don't know you know you know American criminal stuff like that I hate to say it we've explored the criminal underworld in fiction for a long time so i kind of have a sense of what we're going to do but with moscow all bets are off i don't know what is going on over there so <laughs> for me this is this is like a whole new you know start you know a, a brand new universe to explore and i like that yeah I, uh, it's so gratifying to hear that um because he, as i
3: write it i get more interested in exploring different areas of um, of Russia as well and of Kupanya and with this series um, Red Winter was very focused on Eli and the Respiratory gang, Chief J. Kurovy and Joseph but there was not much outside of that in terms of like Russian law enforcement mm-hmm. so that's why I found it interesting this in Fallout we bring in the Russian police um, and we find out what, how they're going to play into everything um, and there's also the good part about it is having Joseph and Eli there. They are Americans in Russia. You know, it's the fish out of water story. Mm-hmm. So they experience this different culture, this different city, um, the same way we would if we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's always interesting, you write as well. Um, yeah, definitely, I find it a really compelling um, setting, uh, and that, that's what I hear a lot from readers is that they, they like the setting of red
1: winter as much as anything else because it's so unusual for us mm-hmm. i mean particularly americans we i don't understand what goes on over there to be honest with you i did you have to do a lot of research i think you and i might have discussed this in the past mm-hmm. but as I, as you further explore the the whole Civilization over there Which is There's has a lot of Differences As well as yeah. Similarity stars Do you do Are you continuing To do research And stuff on it Are you, are you following Like what takes place Over in Russia
3: Yeah What I do for my stories I tend to If I come up with an idea There'll be a certain amount Of A couple of weeks Usually Of Writing ideas down And doing research And things like that But I tend to find Once I reach a certain point I don't want to do Any more research Because then it's uh, you know, I'm not writing a book report as such. I want to write a story. So I, I need to have enough in my head that I feel like I can do justice to what I, to what I have researched, mm. but it is, it is fiction as well. You know, so I do, I take reality and then move on from there as well. Um, but when it, when it comes to the fall, I did yes, do extra research then when it came to fall, because I was bringing the police into it. So I, I researched um, the Russian police quite a bit. And that's, that was very interesting as well, just to, their law enforcement setup you know is different how uh, to Americans and also to me in the UK you know in Northern Ireland um, it all seemed it was very very interesting there's lots of stuff to mind there so the character that uh, helps Joseph is um, a female former police officer so she's effectively sort of like the female Eli or Russian um and we we delve into a little bit of her backstory and she has she she left the force under uh, the Russian force under a similar cloud to Eli hmm. uh, in America. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, I don't want to go into it too much because there's all sorts of uh, interesting tidbits for for the readers to do. But uh, I will say that that's a, another particularly
1: interesting part of the series. That mm-hmm. well, sounds great. I mean, I, I the characters. I mean, Joseph to me is going to be really interesting to follow on because I just you know, I, fish out of water, and I, I and yeah. honestly, he did some stuff that I would just, I was yelling at the book, don't do that, stupid! <laughs> that's the stupidest thing you could do, how can you do that? Kind of stuff, you know, because he's, you know, he, just like us, he doesn't quite understand all the ramifications of what's going on.
3: Well, I think that's an important part of uh, the first series and this series, is that Joseph Winter, he's, he's not any sort of Action hero. He's not even a. He's not a particularly smart criminal. Mm-hmm. Even you know, he's just a guy who's got in this bad situation, and now is scrambling to find any way out. So I, I feel like that's an interesting um, thing because at the start of this story, at the start of Fallout, I was thinking to myself, right, what what would Joseph do now? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I'm not sure Joseph Winter would have much of the cap <laughs> would have the capability to do much of anything really. Mm-hmm. So what happens then? Mm-hmm. How, how, how does he get out of Capania? And that's when I thought, well, he's going to need help, yeah. and that's where that came from. Yes. Um, so it's interesting having a main character like that who he's um, he gets led mm-hmm. by certain by certain people. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting because uh, that's an interesting way to write. I think mm-hmm. Eli was much more forward thinking you know Eli he, he, again Eli was no genius but he sort of if, if you got in a situation you could imagine Eli would have different ways that he could play it yeah whereas Joseph he's, he's not quite like that so it, it's about how, how does this guy survive yeah. you know,
1: which I, I find
3: the most interesting thing
1: because I don't know what in the heck he's going to do I mean he wants to get out of the city but what's he going to do when he does that I mean where's he yeah. going to possibly go
3: does he even have any money does, yeah. does he does does he have a way to get a train out of the city? Could he get to the airport? Does he know where the airport is? <laughs> does, does Does he know any of this? Do, he doesn't have a phone. You know, at the start of the story, he doesn't even have a coat, uh, and he's in, um, in Russia, which is freezing cold, yeah. and it's the and it's the middle of the night. Yeah.
1: So yes. Yeah, it's uh, certainly stacked the deck against for Joseph. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's going to be fascinating because I feel some sympathy for him. For, like I said, first I thought he was just flat out dumb. But, yep. but now I, I, I feel for him, you know, he's in this really almost impossible situation. How is he even going to survive? You know, that's the thing. How is yeah. this going to continue? I just, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens and how he moves forward because he's you know, well, he
3: he is sort of a semi-tragic uh, character in that he's in the situation, not entirely of his own doing. Mm-hmm. So that that probably breeds sympathy as well. Yeah. Um, like it just, just if, <laughs> if you were to meet him in real life, he'd be a fairly, you know, you'd think he was a bit of a low life. But he's fairly, when I say fairly harmless. You know, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be afraid of someone like Joseph Winter. He's just a bit of he's a bit of a scumbag. Mm-hmm but that's a but disadvantage to him that, that it, yes it's very much a disadvantage now where he finds himself now and he's been like I say he's been led into this situation in the in the first story uh, and everything's blown up in his face and he somehow managed to <laughs> survive what happened at the end of Red Winter mm-hmm. but that's that's not the end of the story
1: it's better to be uh, lucky than, than than good sometimes yes yeah, definitely so we'll, we'll see how that plays out for him. But, you know, lucky can only last so long, you know? <laughs> especially in a situation where you have, you don't know what's happening. And he's, uh, I, I just, you know, I, I'm going to be fascinated to see what he does. Cause I, I feel some sympathy for him, but I, I, I'm not optimistic. Shall we say,
3: <laughs> so, certainly not with, uh, how the first series transpired. Um, I can, I can tell you, yeah,
1: not everyone will make it out of this one either. Wow. It's really good. I mean, it's just such a fascinating story and educational on some levels because, you know, I, I don't expect you to be, you know, 100 percent, you know, accurate on how everything functions. But yep. we do learn a little bit about Russian culture and we do get to to study a little yep. bit about, of course, and Americans in, an, in another culture and stuff like yep. that. So all those elements come in there and we get to experience some kind of new situations Compared to you know like New York City, I mean everybody does New York City. Marvel is forever in New York City. Everything takes place in New York City. And <laughs> to me, to see something like in Moscow is just so, you know, I, I, if I was Joseph, I don't know what I would do. I just <laughs> you, you'd panic. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> you'd panic and just uh, sort of need to find a quiet moment to sit down and think. Oh, good God, yeah. what do I do now? What do I do yeah. now? good heavens, which which is a good question. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. Of course, again, if you've done your research and you know some of the elements of the city and what's going on in there, there are certain probably opportunities that will present themselves.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, and and let's just say Joseph's story will end up intersecting with Max Varnan, the, the Russian detective, and also the American agent who's been um, sent to Capotnia to try and keep under wraps what what happened in the first one. So it'll sort of it'll start off with a couple of different plot threads, but they'll all they'll all come together over the course of the story.
1: I just can't wait to see what it is. It's gonna be you know gonna be something really entertaining to read and descriptive. Now, one of the things that I noticed is issue four you had a change of artist. Yes. Okay talk a little bit about that I guess it's the same artist is continuing on and to follow right
3: mm-hmm. yeah so um, for issue 4 Red Winter Alberto Massaggia who's a wonderful Italian artist uh, he came in to help us finish the series it was um, previous to that it was Francisco Munoz who did issues 1 2 and 3 and he was a great Mexican artist it's unfortunately for various different reasons, Francisco couldn't do the fourth issue. Mm -hmm. So um, I contacted Alberto and we hit hit it off really well. Um, The interesting thing about his art for issue four of Red Winter was that we had the same colourist, uh, Roland's Calman's for that one, because I wanted it to, to even though it's a different artist and his style is slightly different, I wanted it to still look of a piece with the first three issues mm-hmm.
1: of Red Winter, and I feel like we achieved that. Oh, yeah. But, I didn't notice the change of artist, honest. honest. Well, that's, 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 that's great then. Um, so
3: uh, Alberto personally, uh, sorry, uh, specifically changed up his style a little bit to, to match Francisco's a wee bit. But, we, but I said to him, you know, should we get to do another series, I would want you to do that series, and then you can make it more your own um, for this series. And that's why Alberto, it's it's just, it's all him this time, he's he's pencilling, inking, and colouring oh, really? this series. Yeah, yes, he's doing the colouring himself even as well. Um, and I want, like I say, how I wanted the tone of this one to be slightly different. I wanted that to be reflected in the art as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, I feel like if the first, the first story was your gritty crime noir movie, then this one is an action thriller. So it's, it's more, um, the art, the art is different. I think he's done a great job so far, um, especially with his, his coloring. You know, he's uh, one of the pages he did recently. To me, just screamed was very Michael Mann or Ozark, um, the Netflix show. You know, with that kind of like
1: blue oh, yeah. tint
3: and everything. Oh yeah. Um, just brought it so much mood. Um, yeah. I think he's doing a great job so far.
1: Because it's uh, that was one of the things I noticed about the, the first series was that everything was dark. You know, I'm am used to superhero comics with all bright colors and everything is shiny and and and, and new, and this is a very rundown feeling, kind of a dirty. Yeah. Somebody remarked that they want to take a shower after they read the book. <laughs> which I,
3: that, I felt like that was one of the best compliments we could have
1: gotten. <laughs> it was so accurate because I looked at this and it was dark and it was cold and it was tough. Grinding dirty. Yeah. And, and now it's going to be – well, you're in something <laughs> of the same situation but with a different take on what's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, because this is going to, wow, that, that first one was really gripping, I have to say. I, I, I couldn't wait for the fourth issue to find out what was going to happen. And I, I have to say, some of the stuff surprised me.
3: That's good. I, I When I was writing the fourth issue, I had, you know, like what my head was telling me to do and what my heart was telling me to do. <laughs> uh, and I just, I felt like, no, I have to let it play out the way I've set everything up. You know, it, it has to happen like this. So even though my heart was telling me maybe to do something else, I went, no, i got to go with my head on it. And I heard that from some different readers, that there were certain things they found surprising. There were other things they thought it had kind of like an inevitability to them. Um, and they liked then that we I, I went with that inevitability and didn't just try and do a twist or a Swerve at the end, but but like I said, there are still surprises as well.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I, I was quite happy with how issue four turned out. Hmm. I I liked it. I I, I don't want to spoil anything because I, I want people to read that because we have a collected edition coming, right?
3: Oh yeah the the trade paperback is already out. It came out in February. Oh good. Um. So it's it's in stores now, and you can actually if you're. Uh, backing the red winter Fall at Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get the trade paperback back as part of a print catch up level or a digital catch up level if if that's how you read as well. So um, there are um seeing so far there are a lot of backers that are new Red Winter so far, and they're they're getting the catch up level, So you get all you're going to get five issues. You get Red Winter one to four in a trade in a trade paperback, and then you're going to get this special edition of issue one of Fallout as well.
1: Were you surprised that there are a lot of new people coming in, or
3: not? Um, I would say I'm happy <laughs> that, that there's new people coming in because that's what we we want. You know, um, I really want. Returning readers, mm-hmm. but I also I also want to get it out to as many people as possible. Yeah, um, and new people because I feel I part, I love crime stories. I love crime movies. I love crime TV shows. I love crime comics. I love crime books. So to me, I don't think there's a there's kind of there's not enough crime comics really, mm-hmm. and I would like there to be more. And I would love Red Winter to be sort of one of those. Series that people can point to as you know, like they're they're trying to bring the crime comic back to prominence, you know, along with criminal mm-hmm. things like that. And there's there's a, there's one coming out from Image called That Texas Blood, which mm-hmm. just looks right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd love to be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if we can get as many new readers as possible through this Kickstarter, I think it'll only um, help us in the long run.
1: Hmm. Well, I think it's gonna be great. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I, you know, Red Winter kind of sold me on the whole universe, and uh, now that Fallout mm-hmm. is going on. And things are going along with it. And I, I, let's just let's just say that I I felt this way with the first series, and I feel the same with the second. I don't know who's gonna make it. <laughs> yeah. Shall we say? So I'm, I'm, i see, in that case, you know, I, I always point out that Batman has to return to being Batman at the very beginning, as he is in the beginning, because yep. somebody else has to come along and do the same thing, they have to come up with another story, but at the end of the story, he has to go back to being the Batman he was at the beginning. And, but you're, you don't have that restriction. You can, people can come and go out of this story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as uh, yeah. In a, in a way
3: I feel like each different series could be similar to Criminal in that there'll be different protagonists you know of each series mm-hmm. but it's also a bit different from Criminal in that I am being, sort of telling all the same story Criminal's different stories that then connect with certain characters coming in and I'm not really doing that mm-hmm. but I am doing a series of stories with different protagonists that's all telling the one story so they're not always going to be the main character isn't always going to be the same, yeah. um, and I and I hope, like I say earlier, I hope to maybe return to other characters you know in different parts of it. Should, should, should this go as well as I want as I wanted to?
1: Well, if you're drawing new people, that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. So I I feel like the way we've got Fallout set up, there are ways even you could where you could go after Fallout or like say you could go um, before
1: Red Winter. You could, you could you could keep going either way, mm-hmm. which is cool. I mean, I, I'm I'm dying. Ideally, but I don't want to speak too soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's gonna I, I think it's gonna keep going because I, I don't I haven't run into anybody who didn't like it. Everybody has said to me that it's just one of those great standout books that you got to have, and you know, especially like me, I I watch all these crime channels. I mean, you know. It, if if there wasn't a, an appetite for this, we wouldn't have like five or six crime drama channels over here in yep. the states, and every one of them saying we're we're the original, or we're the best, or we're the first. <laughs> and I, I always laugh when I see that because you know they're trying to differentiate themselves from other. I mean, like like uh, uh, um, one of them was a very inspirational network. Suddenly goes over its oxygen, goes over to a, a crime thing, and I'm like. You know, I, I I don't know if this is what the the original established person of the <laughs> <laughs> network had
3: That's, in mind. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm I'm like you, I'm I'm a junkie for all that stuff. Um, and like I say, I would like to be one of the I would like Red Winter to be one of the things that maybe brought it back to prominence in comics. That'd
1: well, be great, because you know, what's funny is like somebody let me read an old 1950s Batman. Oh, wow. And I was reading it, and there was in one issue there were four short stories, <laughs> and a lot of them were just like Superman at that time. A lot of them had to do with gangsters. Mm-hmm. They were always taking on the, 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 the seamy underbelly of Gotham, yep. you know, kind of stuff. And I, I found that really interesting because, you know, the, the you know we're used to stories that go on for years. If you're an X Men. Fan, mm-hmm. yep. but these guys had like the, you. If you had longer than a four-page story, that was considered long. <laughs> what are you doing? You got to cut that down. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be four pages. What are you talking about? This can't be that. Yeah. So I, it's interesting to me. I always fascinated to see how. See, I, I like the miniseries format for mm-hmm. that reason. You get to tell a complete story. We can see the end coming. You know, I. See, this is why I'm not an X-Men fan. I don't have the thousands and thousands of dollars it takes to keep up and uh, attention span from decades where I can remember what what Cyclops said 10 years ago in, in such, such an issue. That's there's when, sure, Surely there's no way anyone could remember that. <laughs> well, well, somebody must because, uh, you know, they, they do something and out of, out of the blue somebody remembers, oh yeah, that's from Sun Such an issue. And I, I I look at them and I go, Really? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know that? <laughs> so
3: I, I, I I'm I'm a bit like uh like you. I, I haven't I haven't read the X Men, you know for any length of time really for many, many years. But I am a Batman junkie. Um, and you, and me both. So so I will <laughs> I, when uh, recently I was sorting through my long boxes because the last basically five or six years of comics i stuck them in long boxes or they were in my office but i hadn't actually organized anything Mm -hmm. so i went and says i'm going to organize my long boxes turned out to be a much bigger task than i thought (laughs) (laughs) and that's when i realized as i was filing all these things going boy i buy a lot of batman comics (laughs) or batman associated comics batman related Mm -hmm. and i'm like you as well anything that's batman with gangsters, if it's a crime comic with that happens to have Batman in it, that's that's what I want. Batman yeah. Year One is my favorite comic ever. Yeah, um, I love Long Halloween. Oh. You know those sort of things. Even um, uh, one of my favorite recent stories was Batman Creature of the Night. Yeah. Um, even though I suppose that wasn't a crime story as such, it had John Paul Leon's art, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. for crime comics mm-hmm. uh, I, I love Creature of the Night um, and I just think yeah bam. crime comics with Batman in them I mean, I, I'm
1: there yeah see I in some ways the superhero thing is, has hit too hard mm. you know we, we've got I mean Batman went through a science fiction era in the 50s and early 60s and then he became grittier in this after the TV show went off, and you know I i always you know Batman. I always say that the Adam West Batman, if he'd run into the Christian Bale Batman, he would have arrested him. <laughs> you know because he That's a funny way to put it. he would never have understood what was going on with that. So to to yeah. me, see that my problem is, and I, I don't want to get too far off on the subject of Batman because okay. we want to talk about your stuff, but. The thing that happened recently to me, and I've talked with other people about this, is when Batman was going to marry Catwoman. Yeah. They're standing in issue 50 on the top of a building, supposedly going to get married, and suddenly they just turn away from each other and run off into the night in different directions. Yeah. I was so disappointed because I've read Batman for a long time, and I have to say the one thing, I I have not seen him married. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, gosh, we're going to see something I haven't seen before. I haven't seen that. And instead they go off and everything goes on as it was. And I was, I remember I was disappointed. I said, oh, I yeah. haven't seen that before. Hmm. You know, I, I, I don't want to necessarily see the same thing. And to see him having to deal with being married would have been a little different. Yeah. You know, but that, I suppose I know, that's, who
3: knows. that's what you were saying about how... Uh, Superhero comics can never really end, or they can—they they always just have the illusion of change. Yeah. And uh, when you when when a writer or an artist does that well, you know it's it's great. Um. But I, I I personally wasn't the the biggest fan of much of Tom King's run. Um. Although. I kept buying it because I'm a Batman junkie. Mm-hmm. And every and you know, let's say every two or three issues there'd be a story I would like or there'd be there'd be an issue that I think, "Oh, no, that was great. That that's what I want from Batman." Mm-hmm. And then the next issue it just it would go back to being oh, no, I'm not really I'm not really feeling this. And I felt a little bit like like you did over the wedding. Mm-hmm. I thought for one thing it was it was drawn out way 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 too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it was a bit anticlimactic, but uh, I suppose we, with what he followed up that with, the whole story then was how does how does Batman cope when his heart's been broken? I suppose we have we haven't seen that too many times before, right? But yeah, I w-
1: I would it be similar to your thinking on that. Yeah, that's interesting because I uh, I'd like to see you. Right, Batman. I would like to see me write Batman. <laughs> <laughs> see, what would you do with Batman? I mean, you know, I don't want to spoil any kind of pitches you want to make or anything like that, but, you know, you've talked about some of the things that you like to see and stuff. Yeah. What would you, as the, as somebody who enjoys crime drama and stuff, would you get him? Because, like Batman, the animated series, when it first started out, there was a lot of crime yeah. g- gangs going around and stuff. Would you go back to some of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. If, and, if If
3: I was allowed to, and if DC, you, you know, that's the direction they wanted to go, definitely. I would want, um, I know Tom King works with Jorge Fornes a lot on art. Um, he, I would want him or that sort of gave him as a Mazzuchelli style art, and I would definitely yes, it would be a crime comic with Batman in it. I actually did a couple of months ago come up with a, a pitch in my head for what would be like a, a Jim Gordon miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I would love to see jim gordon what would happen if he retired from the gotham police department Mm -hmm. and moved back to chicago because we know that gordon is from chicago Mm -hmm. um just to be close to his Mm ex-wife to try and uh sort of rekindle that relationship but then whenever he's in chicago he i basically wanted to have a scenario where he becomes sort of an unlicensed pi effectively Mm -hmm. in chicago Mm -hmm. um I just this this idea came to me, and all of a sudden I was I was really enthused by, it and I thought, oh, you would just call it Gordon, which would be good considering my surname is Gordon as well. So, so there's synergy there, uh, and he would be this unlicensed PI kind of like Matt Scudder, mm-hmm. who was uh, from Lawrence Block's uh, series of books, and they made the movie A Walk Among the Tombstones. You mm-hmm. uh, could picture something like that, um, and then you could have, Bat Batman or certain characters from Gotham could could turn up. Here and there, um, mm-hmm. that would be one of the things I would like to do. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Uh, it like
1: I'd love for you to be able to do that.
3: I, I w- one of my goals in comics is is to write Batman in some form someday. So yeah. should should we get there, I'll, I'll be very very happy. Um, but also, if if I never get there, I'll be happy as well because I love writing my own my own things. Um, but definitely, I have found that the stories that I like writing the most our crime comic.
1: Cool. Well, well, let's talk about the future then. Okay, this is the first issue and based on what I see, you're pretty far along (laughs) with Fallout number one. Yes.
3: Uh, Fallout number one, the art should be finished, I would say, by the time the campaign ends or not long afterwards. Mm. Um, So then, uh, I've put a bit of buffer in, you know, in terms of when it'll be printed for the Kickstarter backers just because of the current situation globally I don't know whether there'll be any delays with, with printing mm-hmm. um, but I think it we, we should definitely have that in people's hands by July sort of at the latest mm-hmm. and like I say depending on how well the campaign goes then I can keep that uh, Alberto can keep going with
1: the art for two three and four mm-hmm. cool um,
3: yeah
1: to be great. I'm, I'm
3: very excited
1: yeah well it'd be good because uh, and then you can collect those and do those kinds of good things. So that's all good stuff. Now you mentioned the other characters and stuff like that. Do you have other comic ideas in mind that you want to do? Oh yeah,
3: I'm I'm always coming up with uh, pitches um, for things. I have a folder on my computer that is, you know, if I ever come up with an idea for something, yeah. I'll work up a one-page pitch document. Yeah. And sh- should should I ever get to the point where you know an editor says, "What do you have? What have you got?" And basically, since since Red Winter came out. Um and was received pretty well. I have found myself in the position to pitch to a couple of different uh, companies and everything seemed to be I was getting sort of good feedback. Um and I thought I thought certain things were maybe gonna happen but uh, then COVID nineteen hit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everything everything everything's a bit up in the air at the moment. Um but we will we'll see what happens. Um certainly I hope um that I'm not uh Sort of, you know, lost if you know what I mean with with everything that happened, that has that is happening. But then we d- we don't know what
1: the industry is going to do going forward. So oh, no, no. But see, this is an an opportunity, though. You know, I don't want to look at it like it's stopped stuff. I like to look at it as if there's there's a whole new. We got to hit the ground again. Everything has to come back into place. And, okay. an opp- I, and I think something like Red Winter can really catch on. Uh, and, that's
3: that's what I hope. Uh, I def- definitely whenever. Um, you know, the world started going into to lockdown. I definitely felt sorry for myself for for a couple of weeks uh, in terms of everything that was happening in my life and my family as well. But also, like I felt like I was close to a few things with comics, and then they didn't quite happen. But then I thought, I also thought that nobody would be interested in backing Kickstarters, but that is not the case. We've actually found people have been rallying. You know, people want that that new stuff. They want to support artists. They want to support writers. Which is superb, and Kickstarter actually has still still been doing really well as a platform. Mm-hmm. So so that that really gave me the impetus to say like stop feeling sorry for yourself mm-hmm. and actually put Red Winter Fallout out
1: there, yeah. um, because pe- pe- people want to read it. <laughs> well, somebody told me, and I've I've mentioned this before on the podcast, the Kickstarter was actually looking for people to make comics and, and do Kickstarter projects. Mm-hmm. Be- because the number of comic-related Kickstarters had dropped. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, I have actually. Um, I I hadn't heard that from anyone, but I do know that I've had m- m- sort of more contact with the people from Kickstarter this time mm-hmm. that I've been doing the campaign. So yeah, they they uh, they do they do seem quite keen on getting campaigns up and running. So I mean, if, <laughs> it's sort of one of those situations where if there's any time where it could it's going to be a success, it is it is now.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. you've already reached your goal. That, that's yeah, yeah. good. We've so, hey, this I'm dying to say So, in other words, don't be get complacent, folks. If you want yeah. more of this good stuff, keep supporting it. You know, bring your friends in and show them this this great book. Because I think we can do, we can get a lot of great Red Winter out of this good stuff. Because uh, I there's would. so much to like. I, the more you go, the more I'm just convinced there's a whole lot out there that you could explore. Mm.
3: The more you say that The more excited it makes me as well Um, But I definitely think there is I hope we get I hope everything goes according To what I want to happen
1: (laughs) Well, it's already, you know, you, you've you already, within the first couple of days, made your goal, and that's a great yep. accomplishment. And so, you've still got, let's see, as, as we said at the beginning, you've got until May 29th, but don't wait that long. No. Get on right now and, and get supported. It's Red Winter, Fallout number one, Kickstarter exclusive edition on Kickstarter. and get there and support it so we can see much more of this.
3: And if you haven't read uh, Red Winter Volume 1, like I was saying, that's not a problem because you can order, uh, you can pledge for the graphic novel, the trade paperback of the first volume as well and even if you've never read Red Winter at all, you're unsure about backing, there is a link on the campaign page to read Red Winter Issue 1 for free, so you can read that PDF for free. Which is great, which I love, which I I gave
1: five out of five stars when you I you did yes did. that was one of my crowning achievements of twenty nineteen that was, <laughs> that was really. it was so great I mean it's it's rare when ev- all the cylinders are firing mm-hmm. you know the the story is great characters are interesting the art matches the tone of the book and it just grabbed me I was like. You know that, like we said before, somebody wanted to take a shower. You know, I wanted to put on a sweater because I felt cold. <laughs> it, was, it, it influenced me that much. I wasn't just looking at this; I was in the story, watching this take place. So I, I felt very cold watching all these things happening and snowing all the time and everybody's wearing winter clothes all the time and stuff like that and I was just I was so gripped by what was going on with it and it's just like I said it's one of those great books that uh, you gotta have and I, I highly encourage you if you haven't got there and you haven't heard of Red Winter maybe before this is your chance to jump onto a great series and get on it's still on the ground floor I think there's a lot to come from Red Winter so get the kickstarter and look for Red Winter Fallout number one and all I can tell you is, uh, Michael, you're doing wonderful stuff, and I am just dying to see. I mean, I, I, I hope that uh, the issues can come out in a nice, regular fashion. Mm-hmm. Never mind the, the pandemic, which hopefully we're coming out the other side of. And you can make all these good things happen. There'll be lots of good Red Winter to read. So all I can say is just keep it up and, and, and do the, the good stuff that you're doing.
3: I, I hope I hope so, too, Wayne. And thank you very much for your support. I'm glad you like it.
1: that's a wrap for this episode. Until next time, keep reading your comics.